Hello, beautiful, gorgeous, amazing people. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of the Steph Sanzaro podcast. I am, of course, Steph, and we've been doing this podcast now for nearly a whole year. It is so crazy. I've had the opportunity to meet some incredible people and talk about some seriously inspiring stuff, and I'm so excited for what the future has to hold. This podcast is about helping you guys and educating you, but also it's about educating me. I learn just as much as you guys do in each and every episode and it's so wonderful that we've been able to connect in this way and grow and learn together and that's why I'm very excited again to share a new episode with you this week where we're joined by a beautiful and elegant occupational therapist and art therapist and she's going to talk to us about mental health in a way that's very inspiring and very hopeful and each episode that we do has a different tone. Some of them are sexy, some of them are informative, some of them are very solemn and heartfelt and others are uplifting and beautiful but whichever tone it is they all have the same outcome and it is helping you guys become the people that you ultimately want to be. So without further ado I would love to welcome my next guest Tessa Lloyd. Tessa, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation and to learn lots and lots about you. How are you doing at the moment? Um, that's a big question, how I'm doing at the moment. Um, I think how I'm doing at the moment is quite intensely felt as opposed to, because when this is recorded, we're all in isolation um, and I think that I've just been doing some writing about how intense everything is at the moment. So I feel like there's been, um, you know, of all ends of the spectrum, intense growth, intense um, emotions, so intense sadness, intense um, relaxation when I've just had time to sit down with a book, um, you know, during this time of isolation. So, yeah, I guess how things are feeling is quite intense and it's not necessarily a, a good or bad thing it's just um yeah it just is what it is I said to a friend last week that it feels like I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life like this period of time um and not necessarily just because of um COVID but also there's times that are so rich in our lives and so um, sensory based and bring up so much emotion that I can just feel in my bones that I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life and yeah the flavor of this um, this month so yeah that's how things are on my end at yeah. the moment. I really mm -hmm. resonate with that as well I, I feel mm -hmm. as though this is something and a time period of my life that I'm never going to forget and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that it's a strong emotive time, more time for introspection, you know, less distractions and, yeah, it can either be seen as a positive or a negative or it can just be seen as, you know, a time. It's a really unsettling season. So, yeah. Super potent. And I think it's it's our own little world, like what we're going through. For me, I felt like it's its own little world um, and its own little vacuum and, yeah, I've just developed rituals and routines and different preferences for things in this time. And also because I'm launching this 
program that I can just feel it's also rich, which is super beautiful, but also super painful sometimes. <laughs> can you dive into some of those rituals for me? Yeah. Um, so I've been, I live around the corner from a smoothie bar. I've been having these like beautiful nourishing smoothies um, during the day and just really focusing on um, nourishing myself, which yeah, has felt really lovely. Um, I'm also, you know, welcoming in these women to this program I'm running. I'm running a ceremony where I'm um, cleansing the space, lighting some candles um, and uh, really sitting and being with myself as I welcome in uh, these women to the group, which is just a beautiful way of, yeah, dropping into um, the, the energy of things and, you know, the feeling of... Um, of that potent feeling that I feel within myself, I guess is a nice way of putting it. Um, another ritual I thought this morning that every essential oil I'm reaching for at the moment is a way of checking in with myself. Um, I think I felt, you know, quite heightened either way. I felt quite heightened at either end of the spectrum of emotions. And when I do that, it makes me reach for different things and lean on different support systems. So, um, I've been, you know, putting a lot of um, calming blends on myself and that's a really nice ritual of checking in with, okay, yeah, that's the emotion I'm feeling right now and that's the support that I need from uh, different things. So, yeah, there's there's an endless list. I think I'm having like four baths a week at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think there's any secret to my friends now. I absolutely love baths, but, yeah, just that warmth and that, that full sensory immersion of being in something so warm and comforting is, yeah, really grounding for me at the moment too. Mm, those rituals, they sound so like enriching for the soul and mm. some beautiful self-care there. And you've mentioned a lot about energies and a lot of self-awareness there. And I'm really curious mm. to find out how you've gotten to that beautiful point in your life. And I was wondering if you might be able to take us full rewind right back to the start of, of your life and give us a rundown. Yeah, of course. I'll firstly say that it was not a quick, um, a quick discovery of that, you know, that really reckless self-awareness, like knowing yourself in and out. And I'm still on that journey. So yeah, it was a really long journey of getting to this place of, um, yeah, awareness and really knowing myself um, under all of my layers so it started well it didn't start myself my hardcore self-awareness and knowing journey started about three years ago really intensely and really looking at um, you know what we call shadow work which is looking at all of the stuff that we've repressed and any trauma that we've experienced um, anything that we're not feeling connected to or that we reject in ourselves uh, that has, you know, really occurred in the last three years and that's because we need to get to a place, a certain, um, you know, space of self-worth and sense of self to really dive deeper into that. Um, and because of how I'd grown up in my experience with mental health, it would have been far too soon to dive too deep, um, you know, when I was younger because I was still super fragile and wasn't quite sure of my place in the world. Um, yeah, so... Travelling back, I grew up on a farm um, in the country, which was like such a beautiful way to grow up and I'm super connected to the earth because of that. 
I, you know, never wore shoes and was constantly surrounded by colour and animals and uh, going down to the river and swimming and all of those, you know, beautiful things. And, um, yeah, mum and dad were doing the best job that they could with the resources that they had, um, so both the financial and emotional and, you know, generational resources that they had passed down to them. Um, and I have a lot of respect uh, for them and how they grew up. Um, and how they decided to bring me up too. Um, and that is, you know, that's important to say as, as well as it's important to say that I also acknowledge that there were um, things that affected me when I was a child and there were, um, you know, down to the opinions about mental health and the understanding of um, being a sensitive young child and not just being tough and brushing it off and, getting on with it, um, you know, I acknowledge that they were doing the best that they could and so was everyone around me, but I, I do know that um, that deep understanding of myself as a sensitive, empathetic person um, and an anxious person and a person who experiences depression as well, that, uh, yeah, I, I just know that that understanding wasn't there when I was younger. So uh, that's been a big part of the journey is, is coming to that place of, of self-acceptance in that area. Um, when I was uh, 12, I, no, 11, gosh, it was so long ago, I'm getting so old. <laughs> when I was 11, yeah, I developed an autoimmune disease. I actually got really sick with it. Um, it's called myasthenia gravis and it attacks. Um, so it's an autoimmune thing that develops antibodies that stop the muscles from getting from your, uh, stop the muscles, the messages from getting from your nerves to your muscles. So there's a interruption between the nervous system and, you know, making things work. Um, yeah, so that was a huge part of my life. I was, I had fallen really sick and I, um, was basically not able to move much anymore or swallow anything or um, speak. Um, and, yeah, I aspirated um, some, you know, yucky stuff one day and had my uh, lungs collapse. Um, so, yeah, that was a huge moment in my life because mum and dad had told me that they, um, you know, needed to say goodbye to me and that I wasn't going to make it overnight um wow. and that's you know for me that's a huge thing that I'm just starting to realize you know in the last year that that was a traumatic experience for me to think that I was going to die and that I had no control over it um anyway I pulled through that but that is definitely a profound experience that I went through and that changed things for me forever I think that it made me so empathetic and so compassionate um, for others. But it also stole quite a bit for me. It stole a lot of my, those years where we go from being a child to a woman. So, you know, there were so many moments where that was affected by having this autoimmune disease and, um, you know, it, it impacted on me going through puberty and developing connections at the time um, I moved schools around the time of being quite sick as well so I moved schools at a time at a time that was um, you know really intense for me and where I was really fragile yeah. and 
yeah, I think that was a huge impact and it was breaking this down with my first therapist, I think four years ago, um, that made me really realize that, yeah, I've really been through some stuff and, um, and of course I'm going to have, you know, parts of me that I felt were missing and, and, um, you know, I guess beliefs about myself and beliefs about the world and a feeling of not being safe and not being, um, you know, not feeling like I belong. There were lots of those sort of feelings that came on from that. Um, yeah, and then I guess high school was, I think I had missed a lot of fundamental things in high school was just that period of floating through and not understanding myself not understanding others and I think from coming from a feeling of not being safe expecting the worst uh, of people and of um, myself and of situations and it's that real fight or flight reaction and response consistently which um, you know which I've only just started to make peace with as well that yes, you floated through high school and you didn't know who you were and you were just trying the best that you could and that underpins a lot of, um, you know, toxic things that happen. So, you know, drinking when I shouldn't have and um, playing out super similar patterns um, and reoccurring cycles with friends or um, acting a certain way in relationship. It was just this real... And I don't know if you've experienced it, Steph, just that feeling of um, of running. I was running and I didn't have that solid ground to land on. Um, and it, that continued to the start of uni. And then it, things really started to change. I really was like, okay, something something's going wrong here. These patterns keep reoccurring. I keep feeling the same thoughts about myself pop up. I had this really deep ingrained thought that I don't have anymore that deep, deep down, I wasn't a good person. And even though someone would tell me that I was nice, I thought that once they get to know me, they will realise that I'm not a good person. And that, you know, it's and it's quite common that we have this thought that we are broken or that we don't belong or that, you know, we're not good, we're fundamentally not good, um, which is huge and will impact your life a lot um especially as a young person so yeah I think I just really hit rock bottom as we sometimes need to do and yeah what did I what was my rock bottom my rock bottom was I knew that I wanted to pull out of university but I just kept pushing and I um you know me and my mum have had lots of discussions since this because uh she because of how she was raised and how she wanted to raise me and how my parents wanted to raise me, they didn't want me to quit uni because they wanted to keep me safe and wanted to know that I was safe and that I was going to do well. And, you know, it was all out of love, but it was also out of fear. And I got to the point one day, I was just doing terribly at university and I actually love to learn and I love my job as an OT now, but I was doing so terribly and I hated it. I didn't want to be there. Um, which just kept going around in a cycle. And I pulled out of uni and um, and got a job working with people with disabilities and started volunteering. Um, that It wasn't a quick fix, though. It was, you know, doing bits and pieces and also in the background having a relationship that was 
you know, just playing out the same patterns and quite painful sometimes and a lot of push and pull. Um, so, yeah, I think it was quite a turbulent time of intense change for me that I had to go through um, in order to come out the other side. And I've had lots of cycles like that and we all do this these cycles of growth like here we grow again we think we're traveling along well plateauing and then boom we we hit something and we um get called to experience that next level of growth so yeah that's the point that i got to around university i started to see a therapist who she was beautiful she was the best match for me at the time mm. um in terms of acknowledging that i had experienced my own share of stuff yeah. um yeah, and then around that time, I just started to, I always liked to paint as a kid and, um, you know, throughout high school. And then I just stopped because I told myself I wasn't creative enough, which I, <laughs> I run creativity workshops now. And that is my number one thing that we are all creative and you have just been shamed or made to feel guilty about your creativity. And um, <laughs> you've told yourself that. So I hate that I said that to myself, but yeah, I'd put down the paintbrush and, and around this time of growth and healing, I picked up the paintbrush and started to paint again um, and really just started to learn a lot about myself, which would take me into two years of really learning um, an ending relationship and then, yeah, finishing uni. I ended up finishing uni and I was really stoked about that, which was great. Um, and I kind of just popped out the other side of things and was like, okay, I think I've gotten through. And that was where I started to build things. I had been slowly, I'd been running and then I'd been slowly scrambling and building a couple of things. But when I popped out the other side and thought, right, now I can breathe and now I can build and really figure out what I want and, you know, who I want to be and the people that I want to surround myself with. Um, that's when, you know, I started um, facilitating workshops and I created my business called The Art of Insight, which is all about, um, you know, using creativity for healing. And then, yeah, I was working as an OT and, I signed up for an art therapy degree too because I was so obsessed with this creativity for healing thing. I signed up to study art therapy as a postgrad and just loved it. And that was probably the, um, you know, crux of my healing was popping out the other side. And then I dove into this world of, um, you know, peeling off these layers and just like, crying and feeling remorse and feeling like so tender and loving towards myself which was you know something I'd never granted myself before and people really witnessed me in that and really held space for me in that which was so powerful mm. um, and I guess all of these things that I learned along the way that were so powerful is exactly what I implement in my work now holding space seeing people when they're at their darkest not pushing people to uh, to push through and be okay. Um, yeah, and now I guess in the last two years I um, was super, I got even more honest, I was super honest about my sexuality. I um, started an my own OT business. I left my nine-to-five job because it was drowning me. Um, I hired this studio, which is what I'm recording 
with uh, from with you and then yeah now I'm running workshops and running my OT business and about to launch an online mental health program which is all based on what I've been through in my work as a mental health OT and art therapist so yeah that's my story wow. and I guess different chapters <laughs> that is just an epic story like it's not a story it's a journey like it's literally a process like the things that you experienced, yeah. you know, as a child and holding so much fear and self-doubt and, you know, just being quite scared and like it's the evolution of that to the beautiful, amazing light that you are now. That's incredible. Um, so, wow. I hope you hold so much pride for the amount of work that you've actually dedicated, like, into yourself and, and now to other people as well. I... It always floors me when people who have experienced such great pain in the past can now, you know, use that as like their number one strength in the future. I'm just, yeah, I'm a little bit floored by you. Oh, thank you, Steph. Yeah, I think it does. It takes a whole new level of courage to then stop and celebrate what you've gone through. Yeah. Um, yeah, or where you've come. And that's an ongoing thing for me. And I'm sure yourself that we go look at how far we've come you know I'm exactly where I wanted to be a year ago why am I not celebrating it um yeah. that definitely is an important reminder it's really really celebrate exactly mm. it becomes all too easy for us to constantly just set new goals once we've achieved one and to never really self-reflect and like it is extremely powerful and sometimes I, I do it myself and I sit here and I go oh yeah like I'm actually where I wanted to be like a year ago. Oh, wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. Like pat yourself on the back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it takes, it's completely um, going against the grain of a society that wants us to keep pushing and that enough is never quite enough. So it's, yeah, this gorgeous act of rebellion really to actually really get around yourself and um, celebrate you exactly as you are yeah and I think I definitely resonate with that a lot but I know that there's a lot of people out there who are still not putting themselves first and you know mm. having themselves as a priority is actually really foreign to them and you'll talk about you know self-care and they'll say what's that and it's like they don't mm. understand but it seems as though like that's something that you've incorporated into your life and you're helping others do and I just think that's so brilliant and it can't be underestimated um, with people. Yeah, I've got parents of children who are ex... So I work with children and um, adolescents um, and their mental health. I've got parents of children who are experiencing their own mental health uh, issues. I've got children who are experiencing mental health issues who are often quite open to you know, to learning about self-care and to taking time for the self because it hasn't yet been so ingrained in them that they cannot stop because what happens if they stop? The building will yeah. collapse, um, which is often how their parents are operating, which is ex like exactly how I would be operating if I was, um, you know, if I hadn't learnt tools and if I was just um, running and trying to keep up with my, you know, my child's mental health and my mental health, it's it's this safety thing that we learn, but if we can just start to rewind a little bit and peel off a couple of layers and say, 
uh, you know, really look at why someone doesn't feel worthy of self-care because that is the crux of it. Someone not going down the path of self-care is not feeling worthy um, and it can have to do with time and it can have to do with, you know, the to-do list and, you know, there's all these other things that we can stack on top and say that's why I'm not doing it but the base of it is what are you worthy of and how are you worthy being taken care of and what have you had modelled to you as, you know, as appropriate self-soothing and appropriate self-care and love. Yeah, and I guess underneath it all it's kind of about starting to be aware of understanding why you don't feel worthy of taking care of yourself or understanding yourself. I think that's where, you know, the real good, the gooey, juicy part of this healing journey is. It's like you suggested when you first met with your first therapist, that she got you to dig down a little bit, you know, and find those parts of you that really made you question things. Was that part of your life just completely transformative? Yeah, it was. And it had to... So what you just said then just reminds me of such a good point that it, this is going to be a long journey. And that I think that's why it's so confronting for some people because the journey is long. But this is why we start small. And I harp on about it all the time, starting so small. Um, you don't want to dive into your deepest shame and deepest guilt when you're not feeling ready to. You want to look at, okay, I can take a simple five-second breath rather than yell at my partner or I can take a walk rather than, um, you know, indulge, uh, you know, some toxic habits that you might have. And I think that starting small is such an important process. And for me, seeing that therapist was... That was a big step for me at the time um, and it needed to happen. But I look back and the way that I worked with that therapist was starting super small. So we, so the level of therapy that I want now is really like trudging through inner child wounds and what has hurt my heart and, you know, coming to, you know, reckless self-acceptance. But that's because I feel ready to. Um, and at the time what I needed was someone to see me and and you know let me know that I was a good person yeah um and she didn't you know she didn't directly sit me down and say listen here you're a good person she <laughs> helped me pull up layers to say you know you were a hurt, you were a vulnerable child then did you have you thought about this children are vulnerable and this is what you'd internalized um you know, and that's why things have played out. I, I just needed someone to see me and hear me and um, help me talk through some things. So, yeah, it definitely was transformative and really great for me to just understand that it's so safe to talk to someone because when I went and spoke to her, she said, I promise you the most daunting thing about this is getting the referral from the doctor and your first session and you've already ticked off both. So here we go. And I will remember that for the rest of my life because I just must have been exuding this or maybe all of her clients do exuding this energy of like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, please don't, um, you know, hurt me basically because I was feeling unsafe. So yeah, it definitely was transformative. Mm. I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but it's also confronting to hit that first session because it takes a while to build yourself up to actually going and like you just said, but then to also 
to feel safe enough to then be vulnerable and to actually be completely mm -hmm. honest with that person in front of you, but also with yourself. Because a lot of us, we distract ourselves with those, you know, toxic habits and, you know, relationships and other things so that we don't have to bear all and be vulnerable. Um, learning the value of being able to speak, honestly, I got to tell you, was just, yeah, completely pivotal for me. Definitely. And finding someone to hold the space for you while you do that, because not everyone can. Mm, exactly right. And mm. that's why I've spoken mm. about it in a few podcasts before, but for anyone new to the podcast and, you know, listening to Tessa's episode for the first time, Holding space with someone is probably one of the most valuable things that you can ever learn to do. And it's not offering advice on ways to fix their life or, you know, trying to solve their problems, but it's literally just sitting there and listening. It's the active listening, looking them in the eye. And, you know, sometimes you can just say, that really sucks. You know, I'm here for you. I hear you. And that's all it takes. And a therapist can be that person for you, but it can also be a friend or a partner or a family member. But yeah, there's just so much value in holding space. And it's important to know too, because I think some of your listeners might be listening and saying, well, how am I going to find someone who does that for me? And, you know, oh, you're dreaming if you think there's people out there who will do that, but they are, but you do need to be critical of not in a negative way, you need to be, you know, have a bit of a filter on who you want to reach out for and knowing what you want to reach out for as well. So we've got people in our life who are really good listeners and we've got people who whose love language is acts of service and they just want to, you know, fix what they can for you, um, which is often how a lot of men communicate. They hear the... Um, they hear the issue and their way of um, providing for you or giving something back is to want to help. And I know that my dad does that a lot. Um, and it's important for me to know that because what always used to trip me up was wanting to share with my dad. Oh, my mum does the same thing, actually. It's not just a men and female thing. Is when I share things, they want to fix things for me. And, I, and it's beautiful. And they, you know, I so appreciate that. And they do help me. Uh, work through some things but that is I need to know that if I want support I go to them for practical support and that they will deliver um, but it is a disservice to myself and them to expect them to be everything for me um, and solve everything in every way you know to be you know, fantastic listeners and fantastic with words of affirmation and also help me solve practical things. It's really important for me to know, you know, to expect and lay boundaries down with parents and say, look, I really need this from you, but also not expect the world of one person in your life because um, the way that people can um, support you is completely different in, you know, with each a different person and holding space is something that not a lot of people have learned to do there's a lot of people who aren't out there listening no they're not and I don't think it's until they've potentially been in a situation like you or I where we've been guided to learning how to listen to someone or show that space for someone like until they go through that they're not actually aware of how to do it and you know 
I myself, you yourself, until a couple of years ago, probably weren't the best listeners ourselves. You know, we were perhaps fixers or, you know, someone that just wanted to, you know, help and, you know, do all of this sort of stuff. Mm. But I think through listening to what we're saying today is potentially putting those little seeds of thought into people's heads that, you know, all you have to do is really listen sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And a great strategy for that is when you feel the pull. I feel it now because I work with um, clients every day with their mental health and I live with people who are having their own human experience. And as we all do, we're talking all the time about well-being. Um, whether we know it or not, we're expressing our opinions, our beliefs and everything and it all comes down to very similar, from a very similar place. And a really great strategy is when you feel that pull of, oh, I want to mend this or I want to change their opinion or I want to say, oh, yeah, I've experienced that, but, you know, and kind of add your own story onto it. When you feel that pull, just imagine it. it's... Uh, I always imagine this light that's leaving my force field and entering someone else's. And that is me not separating what is their stuff and what is my stuff. So often when I want to fix something for them, I have made it about me and thought I'm not comfortable with you feeling like this. But if I feel that pull, like I want to save you or I want to um, say, oh, you know, I've had the same experience. I just feel that, that tendency in my chest um, and just pull back and, you know, and know that they are going to be safe whether I save them or not, you, you know, in most contexts, not in a life or death <laughs> context. No. But um, it's almost like an energy conversion, you know. We don't also want to make it about ourselves by saying, oh, I've been through this, you know, I'll tell you exactly how to fix this. You know, it's, it's not about us and it's so hard. I, I still really struggle with it sometimes to not be like, oh, I know I've been through that too. It really sucks. Like, um, this is what I did, you know, and sometimes I have to stop myself because, well, it's not about me. Like, this is something that's genuinely really hurting this person in front of me. And, you know, instead of making it about me, like I have to pay them the due respect and, you know, love to actually allow it to just be their own. Completely. You're exactly right. And I think that takes a certain sense of um, strength and, you know, sense of self that, uh, you know, that we will be okay if we leave them with their human experience and we sit firm in what is our stuff and not try to save them. You know, we can, that takes a certain sense of strength to do that and just, just to sit there and listen. Mm. Mm. It's a beautiful be in their discomfort. Yeah, sit in the discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Beautiful quality to have. And obviously I I want to just touch on one quick thing before we move away from this topic. And it can also be when we are sitting with someone and discussing mental health or, you know, these really deep and, you know, heart-wrenching things is that sometimes it can actually stir up some trauma for ourselves. And Definitely. It's really important to obviously not let that overcome us or to let that hurt us, but to just mm-hmm. sit and tick that off in our brain and be like, okay, I'm going to have to do a little bit more work on myself in that area because that's just risen up. So it's important that you have to recognize that when you are sitting in the discomfort with someone or holding space for someone that like you do also have to take care of yourself in that situation too. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah. And just, and that noticing, 
a lot of what we're talking about is even noticing things in the first place, noticing that about yourself, noticing that feeling or emotional sensation. That noticing is going to be, you know, such a game changer for you uh, for life, really, instead of being on autopilot and not picking up on something arising for you. But when you feel it, um, a great thing to do is just to breathe through it. Feel it and breathe through it and know that you are putting a pin in it and you can, yeah, like you said, continue to do work on it. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely sitting, like you are then sitting in your discomfort and breathing through that. The breath, you, you keep touching back on that. But, yeah, I think if we could talk about that just a little bit more and the, the grounding motion of breath, can you take us through that a little bit more? Yeah, um, so I'm definitely not a meditation teacher or anything, but it's something that I've needed to uh, learn about. And I say needed to because it's such a core thing for a lot of my clients. That, that the session that I ran before talking to you, Steph, was a client who'd hopped on super heightened. Mm -hmm. And what the brilliant thing was is he'd identified that he was super heightened. So he said he described it as having 20 tabs open at once. Oh, which is so great, like such a great thing to, to know in yourself. And we were doing an art therapy session online and I don't like to, I think it's, it goes against my practice and I think it goes against what's right to not give clients the chance to ground down into that feeling of, um, you know, of being fully present for, for their therapy and not staying in that cognitive, you know, super monkey brain state of, oh, he said this and she said this and this has all happened to me today too. We did a breathing exercise, which included a visualisation, which was really just to ground down his nervous system. Um, and when I say ground, I mean, um, so giving power to the parasympathetic nervous system so the parasympathetic nervous system is what helps us to stay calm and regulated uh sympathetic is what gets us ready to um to act yeah. uh so yeah ready to go yeah. so <laughs> heightened and he has lots of complex health issues that cause him to be heightened um and i think it's a disservice to let him just stay in this state and speak 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 and then finish the session it would be a simple session because i could just sit there um, and listen to him but sometimes I think it's super important to just say can we just come back to the breath for a moment can we just sit come back to the body close down the eyes we put our hand on our heart and we just breathe we were breathing in through the nose and out the mouth mouth, mouth for a couple of breaths uh, which you know just starts the process and then it really is so sensory wise we're activating lots of senses by breathing as well so we are sending signals to our nervous system that although you're feeling unsafe right now and you want to activate the sympathetic i'm here to tell you that we are safe we are in the present moment and yeah parasympathetic you can <laughs> ramp it up because we are safe and we are you know in this present moment we are okay um yeah i think that's the beauty of coming back to the breath because it really is just saying you're okay Mm. there's nowhere to be right now definitely and I think what you said there it is minimizing a few of those tabs that have popped open and perhaps you know 
maybe the outer layer of your day and the things going on in your life and it also maybe helps you to peel off one of those layers and to get down a little bit deeper into the real work that is probably a little bit more beneficial than just listening to him talk about the day so yeah I'm really grateful that you've mentioned breath because I think a lot of people you know they've heard meditation woo woo you know probably not into the spiritual thing and that's completely valid that's their way of life but there is a whole other side to breath that is extremely scientific like you were saying slowing it down the rest and digest the parasympathetic side to it and I think that is where if you're a scientific brain then send your attention to that take those calming breaths to actually even in you're in the car and you feel yourself being anxious I've used this technique so many times it's counting breath and just slowing it down nice and slow all the way to my stomach all the way up to my throat and just realizing the sudden difference in my anxiety oh phenomenal it's changing isn't it it's ingenious and it's free Yes, exactly. It's free and it's always available to you. And I always imagine like there's these little like critters at the top of my head that are telling me things are important. And when I breathe, they just scatter off because, you know, I deep down know what is important to me at that very moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like you said, it's like closing those tabs. Mm. Are you able to go into a little bit more detail into art therapy? Because it's not something that I've ever done before and I know nothing about it. So if you could give me a few details, I'd love that. Yeah, of course. It's been a while since I've spoken about art therapy because I started that journey two years ago. So it's really lovely you're giving me the opportunity to again, because I think my practice has evolved it's been a while since I've spoken about that specifically. So thank you. Um, yeah, I guess art therapy is such a beautiful way. Gosh, where do I start? Such a beautiful way to communicate, to soothe the nervous system. So what we were talking about before, to unpack what's happened to you or what's happening in the present or what you're um, anticipating in the future. It is a beautiful way of distancing, which is... Um, a term given to so for example with the breath we create distance between our thoughts and between our I guess our consciousness and our thoughts if that makes sense like we're having a bit of space between living in our thoughts and emotions and then stepping back and saying gosh that's interesting I felt like that or gosh it's interesting that you know I'm thinking these things it's creating that distance Um, and you know, yoga can do that and sports can do that, provide that, that time to sit back from living in our thoughts and emotions entirely and and view it from a bit of space. Um, but what's great with art therapy is we have that distance and then we have a physical thing in front of us reflecting back to us what we are processing or what we, uh, feel at the time. So I realise I get on my tangent some of this language might not be super um, practical, but to provide a practical example, um, a client of mine who, so I had a client who um, was uh, in eating disorder recovery and we were painting um, ourselves. So she created a painting of herself and what she felt like she looked like and things had been um, starting to go downhill a little bit again with her sense of uh you know her body image and her 
confidence and things like that, um, which definitely doesn't sum up eating disorders. They're such a complex um, thing. But yeah, at that time, what she was feeling is that she was so much bigger than she was and she painted uh, this person. And, you know, what that provided was a chance to, to say, look at, you know, what if, what if you painted and, and let's look at this and, you know, what have you, what have you drawn here? And I see that you've used this color here and, you know, is that representing anything for you right now? Um, and in a more logical sense, it gave me the opportunity to see how she saw herself um, at, in that moment and also gave her the opportunity to sit back and look at the painting that she'd made and, you know, see that, yeah, this is how I'm seeing myself at the moment um, and really catch that that thought at the time because sometimes it can be a while before they realise they've, you know, started to have disorder, uh, distorted um, body image thoughts. So, yeah, that was a really um, powerful thing. I've, I've got a client who is able to paint uh, her schizophrenic, the thoughts that she experiences because of her schizophrenia um, on paper. So she hears them and, you know, they have a life of their own in her head and she because she hears them like we all do, we picture things that come along with sound. I think a lot of us do. And so she's able to attach different colours and different images to these voices that are so, you know, self-deprecating and um, judgmental. And it, it's giving her that, that distance and that opportunity to pull it out of her mind mm. and onto paper. And not only that, it provides a safe space for someone to come to and express themselves, you know, entirely. And yeah, and at the same time, they often develop works that they let their creative inner critic go and just painted how they felt instead of what they were told it should look like. Mm. And they're often the pieces of work that people are like, I actually love this. And this reminds me of the time that, you know, I realised how badly I was speaking to myself or, you know, how off I felt about my um you know, of course, I felt with my work or my relationship. So, yeah, it's super powerful. I could talk about it till the cows come home. <laughs> oh, no, I could listen to it until the cows come home. That's so <laughs> profound. I love the way you said that it helped people detach from their idea of how it's meant to be and just let their creative self mm -hmm. flow. It sounds like there's quite a bit of detachment there or an allowance to detach from, like, conditioning and shame which I just think is so powerful. Yeah. I think it was either Liz Gil Gilbert or Brene Brown have quoted a statistic that I think it's a super high percentage of um, shame and guilt has to do with creativity. Mm. So that's huge, right? Like, and you can imagine, so that includes the way we move, sing, cook, dress, uh, everything if we're talking about creative living it covers so much and creativity I see is expressing yourself your, your unique essence and if our literal unique essence has been shamed no wonder we're not going to feel free to paint a canvas for the sake of it or um, you know or cook a meal just for the sake of it and not snapping a photo for Instagram just to literally nurture yourself like we have been shamed to 
fit in and I always talk about this to fit in a certain box which just it actually doesn't physically exist but shame and embarrassment and guilt make us feel like it does oh absolutely Mm. and we will change ourselves and amend ourselves to sit in a box that we believe other people will call valid so that we ourselves feel valid I hope you don't mind me talking about a personal experience for a second but when you mentioned colors and creativity I really wanted to touch on a past experience because when I was about 19, 20, 21, that age bracket, I literally had no Mm. self-esteem, no self-worth, and I literally wore nothing but black. It was the only color I would wear. There was no color expression in anything that I did. I would never sing. I would never really create food or cook or do anything And mainly it was because I also didn't believe that I was worthy of it. And then as I've slowly started to self-heal, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I'm always wearing colourful baggy jumpers and, you know, cooking crazy meals. And now I'm starting to sing again. And it's like that sort of proof of healing in this really pretty way. Yes, completely. Thank you for sharing. That is a beautiful example of how shame makes you, it's like closing up a flower. Okay, then you can't see it. I won't express it. You can't shame it and you won't see it. Exactly. If I don't show you these parts of myself, then you can't possibly judge them. You can't possibly tell me that it's not okay. So I was in this box of protecting myself from what other people believed or their perception on me I was so afraid of what the people thought that I shamed myself into being such a smaller and littler version of the me that I actually am yes yeah thank you for sharing I think that so many listeners will have been through the same thing as well and that's why I love your work so much because you're helping people on that journey because for me that journey was so profound you know the self-healing journey that I'm going to be forever on because I don't think that it ever ends I think once you've learned one thing you just keep learning another thing and then you start to omit different parts of you and it's all just about like being happy within yourself and I think if you're listening to this and you can recognize that perhaps you don't feel worthy or you have low self-esteem or you you want to hide yourself like I was just suggesting then maybe it's time to actually look into doing a bit of work in yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And being super, super gentle in that and finding the resources that will help you where where you need to be helped right now, because Mm. that's crucial. There are going to be, you know, there are therapists out there who aren't the right match for you right now. There are people right now who aren't the right match for you and your mental health right now. Uh, same with food, same with the activities that you want to do, same with, you know, it it goes for everything that it's so important to, um, it's not so important to come to this stage. I think it is a really profound thing to come to this stage if you do feel safe enough to say, yeah, I really want to do the work. Um, But it, it is so important, isn't it, Steph, to find that, support team and it's not just people it's Mm -hmm. you know different supports within yourself and um yeah I love that you've said that because I have this like beautiful theory that you know 
we can't like love ourselves if we don't genuinely take care of ourselves. So, and mostly when we don't love ourselves, we don't actually take care of ourselves because we either don't think that we're worth it or that we don't deserve it. And so I think, yeah, understanding that, you know, you are worthy of taking the time to look after yourself, especially, and like starting to potentially unravel or to better yourself. It's like, that is the, like the stepping stones to then self-love and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. It's so badass. It's so badass to say, yeah, I'm worthy enough to work on myself, even in the tiniest amount. I'm worthy of saying no to that party that I don't want to go to and instead running a hot bath for myself. I'm worthy of, you know, the possibilities are infinite, but it's such a like reckless self-love thing to do, I think, to actually say enough is enough. I'm um you know, I'm joining the, the self-healing circus. <laughs> yes. And I think that's exactly the band name we'll be running with from now on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you were saying before that everyone is in a different stage of their healing and perhaps you'll find something right now in this current time to work with that level of healing that you're ready to do. But I would love for you to detail exactly what you can offer to these beautiful people listening today and what type of work that you're creating in this beautiful program that I know you've just created. Oh, thank you, Steph. Um, That's such a beautiful opportunity. Thank you so much. I have, yeah, I guess a big way to work um, with me at the moment and with your mental health is through this program that I am running called Mind Rising. So enrolments are currently open at the moment which is a four-month self-paced online journey, um, which looks at, like we said, starting really small and getting to know yourself in a super gentle way and then looking at um, self-acceptance. So um, where you can come to that real place of self-worth and and maybe even self-love, which I know is easier said than done, but it's providing you... um, super grounded strategies for reaching this place that I know is really, you know, is a hard journey because I've been on it and I see my clients go on it every day. Um, and then the last two months is a, um, a really, it's not intense. That's not the right way for it, but it is so like rich with strategies and um, guided exercises and recorded meditations and um, PDFs and journal prompts. Uh, all based on self-empowerment, which is just so important because I have designed this program based on the fact that you are not broken broken, and you have what you need within you um, to, to heal and to work on yourself. Uh, you just need the tools to be able to get there. So this self-empowerment is really looking at providing tools um, and supporting you as a, you come from a place of, yeah, I'm getting to know myself and yeah, I can feel my sense of self-worth growing. Give me the tools to come back to the breath, to ground my nervous system using my senses, to uh, learn to meditate, to um, practice art therapy and yoga. And um, there's one called cleaning out your life. So detoxing your socials and your um, space and your uh, social circle. Yeah, there's, there's lots of different things in there. There's another one about mental health and others. So 
looking at incorporating others into supporting your mental health and how to consciously reach out to people and not feel like you're always falling short. Um, so yeah, it's a real, really supportive and nurturing group, but at the same time giving you the tools so that you're not relying on others all the time because I know what it feels like to reach out and not have them be ready to support you and to fall and to be conditioned that it's not safe to reach out or work on these things. So wow. yeah, it's all based on the most powerful thing is you. <laughs> um, and I already know that. And I see it in my brilliant clients every day that you're already infinitely, you know, wonderful. It's just giving you the tools like anything else. If we broke our leg and needed to relearn to walk, a physiotherapist um, or lots of other health professionals would help you get there. So this is really looking at if you're feeling that uh, feeling of being lost or not quite belonging or something just not being right, feeling sad or anxious. Um, yeah, it's a really supportive journey for you. And yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. I've got, uh, I think it's 30 beautiful women at the moment signed up to this course so I can literally feel them and I can picture them sitting in a room at the moment uh, working through this stuff like that's how I'm tuned into them and what they need at this moment I am so yeah it's such a powerful um, process making these programs for you guys but yeah I hope that provides a picture of what the program will be like I'm so excited to run it Oh, absolutely. Mm. It sounds like, like a beautiful piece of work and something that you would have honestly put your heart and soul into and you can really see it and I can see your face. So I can see how much like <laughs> light there is and, you know, just this really mm. is soul work, helping people, you know, discover themselves and to help better themselves and to help guide them on this journey that it really is. It's really hard and it's really rocky and sometimes we are going to feel alone, but I think you're doing a beautiful job of helping guide people to not feeling alone. So, yeah, again, just telling you. <laughs> As I talk about it, I can, I can physically feel like myself lighting up and opening a little bit like a flower, yes. um, which is such an unconscious thing when you are in true, you know, when you're being completely true and doing what you want to do. Well, yeah, when you're in alignment with your why, I think people know and they can see it. And I think that's exactly where you are. You are aligned with it a hundred and 20%. That's not even a percent, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Steph. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about it too, because it does let me hop in that space of joy and you know <laughs> that really warm energy of it. So thank you. Of course. And look, I know it's not easy to sometimes go back and to delve into those really deep parts of our past and our experiences like that. And I just really want to thank you today for taking us through that really gorgeous journey that you've been on and to help share some of your insights with some of the learners today. And before we do close this up, I was wondering if you might be able to offer a little bit more wisdom to the listeners on ways that they can perhaps go a little bit further into their self-care during this really tough time that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So this will, you know, this applies to the tough time that we're experiencing now, but I would also say carry it out of um, the COVID times because <laughs> I'm interested to see the self-care practices that my clients have put in place now be carried through because I think that 
you know, I really don't want people to say, okay, we're out of isolation, back to what was happening because I would really hope that if it's taught us something, it's that, you know, we are so, you know, we are our greatest asset and if we, you know, we can't pour from an empty cup and all of those uh, cliche sayings, but, yeah, I hope that it can be taken through past isolation. Um, What I always start with is be gentle with yourself. Um, so none of this will work, uh, sorry, not work, but none of this will land as well as it could if you are not being gentle with yourself and if you are fighting against the fact that you feel like this. Mm. So something so powerful is actually just naming the emotion that you're feeling. So I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling tense. I can feel my shoulders hurting. My chest is tight. Um, I feel lonely, I feel isolated, I feel, you know, I'm starting to to fall into depression or I'm starting to feel um, anxiety throughout the day when I normally wouldn't. Just really, uh, you know, feeling it and naming it. You know, I always say name it to tame it, but really naming it and accepting that that's where you are because I think we have been pushed. There's an element of mental health now where we have been you know, push to be happy. Mm. Um, so we're, we're talking about mental health, but we're talking, we're still talking about happiness so much. And I love happiness and I, that feeling of joy, there's nothing like it. And I so dig that, but I think it's unrealistic to push for happiness all the time and to, you know, to expect that once we experience self-care that we're going to be happy. What I try and promote is just, feeling what you're feeling, naming it and being with it for a little bit, just accepting that that's what you're feeling and then coming at your self-practice from self-care practice from that place. So knowing that um, self-care sometimes means, what's a good example? Self-care sometimes means saying no when you're feeling withdrawn, but self-care sometimes means uh, reaching out when you're feeling withdrawn. Um, so it's it's not a specific recipe and there's not one um, practice that is going to, to heal you or to save you or be the one thing that you can lean on. Um, I think at the moment with COVID or actually in general with what's going on, the first step is to really tune into what you're feeling and what you need, which can be really hard when we've broken that, you know, mind-body connection or where we're not feeling trusting of our own feelings. But just even ask yourself quickly, what do I need? What do you need right now? How can I show up for you right now? Um, and the word will come through, you know, rest, um, swearing, yelling, a run, um, you know, so much good food or to just say no to that Zoom call or, you know, when we're out of isolation, no to that party. Um, yeah, in terms of, of self-care practices that you want to do at home, uh, sensory-wise, having a shower or giving yourself um, a self-soothing massage is really beautiful. So that works on our pressure sense, which is a really grounding thing and, and show, physically shows our body our position in space mm. and grounds down into the muscles and the ligaments and everything that, um, that a body professional would understand. Um, I'm so terrible at, like, naming muscles and whatnot. It's not my OT strong suit. 
Well, you have um, skills, my love. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think they're really important ones. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it could be because you're around lots of loud noises or around lots of bright lights. Um, you might have overcommitted yourself, so said yes to too many um, things. You, if you're at the other end and not feeling, and you're feeling quite underwhelmed, so you're feeling, um, you know, low and bored or sad. Uh, I would encourage that this is the time to reach out if you can. If you're, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed and you uh, are you just doing too much for too many people, get comfy with saying no. Um, it's crucial. I love no. It's really crucial. Yep. Mm. Yep. Uh, but if you are feeling that that tendency to withdraw and, um, you know, those thoughts of, you know, no one can help with me with this, I'm broken, I cannot be saved from this, um, lean into that and really question what that is because that's often our own way of separating ourselves even further. Um, people want to help and people are there to help if we are feeling comfortable to reach out. Um, and you might be able to, if you... I'm just thinking if you do look on my Instagram, I've got lots of different slides about things like acts of self-devotion. So coming from that place of self-love, what can you do for yourself? Um, putting on a awesome playlist and dancing in the bathroom or uh, making a really beautiful meal for yourself. Even making the bed in the morning is a really great intentional practice for setting up your day right. Um, yeah, the list is endless. I could probably talk about taking care of the self for days on end, but but we need to, we'll have to have dinner at some point, me and you, Steph. So I guess yeah. we I can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Your Instagram it is filled with amazing resources, like you've just described. Could you please give the listeners a little insight into how they can find you on social media? Yeah, of course. So the handle's the at sign and then Tessa, T-E-S-S-A, J for Jane, and then double L-O-Y-D. Um, and that'll link to if you want to see the Art of Ed, uh, Insight website and, um, you know, the OT practice and lots of different things. Um, the link to Mind Rising's in there as well if mental health support is something that you're after at the moment. So, yeah, that's how to find me. Yeah. This has been honestly such an incredible conversation and I'm really, really humbled that you've shared so much with us today and especially with me because I do, I feel like this is our personal conversation that we will eventually share with the world, but it's very special to be able to connect with you in this way and to be able to feel like we have definitely connected today. So I just want to say thank you for showing up and being vulnerable and yeah, you've just, you're amazing. Thank you for having me, Steph. Guys, what a rad episode. Ugh, there were just so many juicy parts of this episode where you can wrap your hands around these pieces of knowledge and take them out into the real world and apply them to your real life. Understand them in a different way, unpack them, see how they apply to you and helping you truly understand yourself just a little bit better because that's what it's all about it's each day trying to be a better version of the person we were yesterday i want to say a massive thank you to tessa for joining me today and for speaking so eloquently and beautifully about a topic that is sometimes really hard to talk about 
Her vulnerability is extremely admirable and something that I love in these episodes. You guys know that so, so much because true connection and beauty comes from our deepest vulnerabilities and understanding that and respecting it and having empathy for it. Well, that's another beautiful quality. You guys are so amazing for joining me again. I am so inspired by you guys each and every week to keep bringing you beautiful guests and beautiful episodes to help you learn and grow so that we can continue to change and become better together. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Leave me a five-star review on iTunes and I will see you guys in my next episode.